Fierce Women Writing is a partner of We Need Diverse Books, a nonprofit that advocates for diversity in children's and young adult publishing at every level. They have many programs that support this mission, including grants, mentorships, and retreats for writers, classroom book giveaways, an app for diverse book recommendations, and others. Learn how you can help them put more books featuring diverse characters into the hands of all children at weneeddiversebooks.org. Welcome to Fierce Women Writing, where female voices are elevated, creativity is ignited, and writers are inspired. Hey there, Fierce Writers. Today's guest is Jennifer Craven. Jennifer is the author of A Long Way from Blair Street and All That Shines and Whispers, both works of historical fiction. In addition to her novels, she's had bylines in various publications, including The Washington Post, HuffPost, Motherly, Today's Parent, and more. When she's not writing, she teaches fashion merchandising at Mercyhurst University in Erie, Pennsylvania. Here's Jennifer Craven, reading from All That Shines and Whispers. Laura retraced her steps back downstairs and tiptoed into the kitchen. She paused to listen. The house was quiet. The clock on the wall read nine o'clock. She had time, but exactly how much time, she wasn't sure. Better get started. Grabbing the canvas bag her mother used for groceries, Laura opened the pantry and scoured its contents. Quick, easy, and light, she thought. She wrapped a block of orange cheese in muslin and placed it in the sack alongside half a loaf of bread. From the counter, she took two apples and a banana. Scanning the kitchen, she noticed her father's silver flask on top of one of the shelves. Laura strained her arm until she thought her shoulder might pop from the socket, and just then was able to tip the edge of the flask off the shelf and send it tumbling down into her hands. It was empty. As much as she felt she needed a bit of liquid courage, Laura determined alcohol would do nothing more than cloud her focus. She filled the flask instead with cold water from the tap. Now to wait. Knowing she had time before Lena fell asleep, Laura sat at the dining room table and stared blankly at the bag next to her. Her stomach clenched, and she thought for sure she'd vomit from nerves. Can I really do this? Yes, of course I can. It's only right and fair, but what about my parents? I could never hurt them like this. I can't. No, this is asinine. But don't I deserve to be happy? Yes. Yes, okay, I'll do it. Devils and angels played tricks with Laura's mind, forcing second thoughts, ones as powerful as her assured determination— With clammy hands, she wiped dampness off her brow. Another glance at the clock, 9.20. The minutes crept by at an unbearable pace, and her anxiety spiked higher with each second. If she didn't act soon, she very might well chicken out altogether. How much longer would her parents be gone? What if they cut their evening short? They could walk through the door at any moment. And then what? How would she explain? The thought of her plan being ruined was enough to force Lara from her chair. She crept up the stairs toward her room at the end of the hall, not a peep from her siblings' rooms as she passed their closed doors. Lara said a silent prayer of thankfulness for her family being heavy sleepers. She cracked open her bedroom door and peered in at Lena's side of the room, a mound under the covers, perfectly still. Lara opened the door further. The hinge, old and rusty, made a loud creak. She froze, but Lena didn't move. Lara slithered over the knotted floorboards and knelt quietly at the side of her bed. She reached under the frame to pull out a knapsack from the far corner closest to the wall. The sound of fabric sliding across the hardwood echoed through the dark room, making her wince. Finally, with the bag in hand, she slinked out of the room without a sound. In the hallway, Lara released a breath she didn't realize she'd been holding. The upholstered bag, rectangular, with a full zipper on top, felt heavy on her shoulder. She reached inside and pushed past the folds of clothes to the bottom, where her fingers met the cold metal of several Swiss francs. 
guilt-fueled bile roused in her throat. It was stolen money, leftover change she'd pocketed on all those trips to the grocers. She'd hid the coins in a jar under her bed until she knew she'd accumulated enough, at least for now. With food in one small bag and her clothes and money in another, she was ready. There was just one thing left to do. Laura opened the door to her parents' bedroom. The deep breathing of a sleeping child met her ears before she even entered. On light feet, she crept to the crib. A long, thin blanket was slung over the rail. Its whimsical circus motif in blue and yellow represented everything lively and cheerful about childhood. Staring at it, Laura recognized the irony. No time to overanalyze. I must focus. She'd strategically put the cover there when she'd taken Eric to bed so that she wouldn't need to wrestle through the drawers and risk waking him, or anyone else. The blanket was smooth in her hand. She stretched it to wrap around her torso and crisscross around her back. The ends met in the front and she tied them into the snug knot, pooling with all her strength to ensure its security. Across her chest, the fabric formed a pocket, the perfect size for a baby. With a deep breath, she reached down and slid her hands under Eric's tiny body. She lifted him from the mattress and his arms fell limp to the sides. The few drops of brandy she'd placed on his tongue earlier had worked. The boy was deep in dreamland. Laura guided him into the fiber fabric pouch with ease, tucking his little hands in and positioning his head against her chest. She felt the warmth of his palm against the skin near her breast. I'm doing this for him, she told herself. Without another thought, she flung the knapsack onto her back and draped her food bag across her body, tucking the strap under the blanket carrier. She looked far from conspicuous. The weight of it all bore down on her petite frame, but Lara was fueled by the adrenaline of a hundred men twice her size. Stepping into the hallway once more, Lara peeked in both directions to closed doors lining the corridor. Again, she heard nothing but silence. She breathed a sigh of relief. One step closer. Common sense told her not to get ahead of herself. She quickly hurried down the stairs to the front door, and brisk air hit her in the face as she opened it. She looked down at Eric, still asleep, and was glad she'd thought to put him in warm pajamas. Tree crickets chirped a nighttime melody. This is it, she thought. No turning back now. She closed her eyes and willed her body to summon every ounce of strength. Just as she reached back to pull the door shut behind her, a hand emerged from the darkness of the house and grabbed her forearm. She yelped. A body moved into the light. A familiar face, but still a surprise. Thank you so much for reading for us today. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. Jennifer, what are the ideal conditions for you to write Well, I would definitely have to say morning overnight. I'm definitely not a night owl. I kind of hit a wall come 8 p.m., but that's because I'm up so early. So I'm definitely more energetic in the mornings. And usually a lot of my ideas come at nighttime, like during the middle of the night. So I might jot some things down, but then I'm sort of fresh and ready to go come 6 a.m. I do have three small kids, so it's usually huffing them off to school or, you know, getting ready for my day job. But then uh, I try to sneak in some writing whenever I can. So mornings definitely Um, And you know what? I can pretty much work around a lot of noise. I know that there's definitely some writers who need quiet, 
but I can, if I'm in the groove with writing, it can be TV, it can be noise, it can be kids screaming, and I will still be able to get words out onto the page. So I, I think I'm kind of used to it based on having the kids and, and just having kind of like that rambunctiousness going around the house. So ideally, I mean, who wouldn't love quiet, but I'm able to kind of get it out when I need to, which is really the only way that I'd be able to get a book written at this point in my life. How do you nurture your creativity? Most definitely, first and foremost, by reading. I would consider myself a pretty voracious reader and always have been. Um, I remember taking books to school in middle school and high school and kind of sneaking them into class and propping them inside textbooks and reading, uh, which I'm sure my teachers wouldn't be thrilled to hear about. But reading is definitely something that it's sort of like oxygen for me. I, I really can't survive without it. And so many ideas come from there. And I'm inspired by lots of writers and their amazing work. So a lot of my creativity comes from reading. But aside from that, I would also say going for long walks, um, spending some time outside, getting fresh oxygen, all of those things. So it could be playing on the playground with my kids or taking a jog. Um, you know, we live in somewhat of a rural area, so there's lots of nature. In fact, I was just running the other day and four deer across the street right in front of me. So just things like that kind of bring you back into focus and kind of can, you know, block out all of the other craziness going on in your life and tap back into really what makes you tick. What is your best writing tip? I would say for me, what I tell writers that I'm either collaborating with or beta reading for, things along those lines, would just be to not overthink things. Um, definitely to just write. Just get the words out of your head. Uh, and they're probably going to be crap at first. They're probably not going to be what you end up sticking with. You may end up deleting all of it, but you're not going to get anywhere unless you just get some words down onto the page. So for me, I think just writing freely without worrying about typos or plot holes or even how it's flowing, just know that those things can be fixed later. And so first, just write. What about editing and revising tips? One of my biggest areas that I always have to keep an eye out and that's been pointed out to me lots of times is showing versus telling. And I know this is really a common tip for writers, but trying to avoid something that is too, too much, reads too much like exposition um, is better probably to reframe it into whether it's an action or a dialogue, something that keeps the reader engaged. But I don't feel obligated to correct them in any sort of particular order. Uh, I don't necessarily edit from start to finish. It's just kind of going through and feeling like which areas of the manuscript do I feel like maybe take precedence at that particular moment or do I just have like the energy for? And some edits that you can sense feel bigger that are gonna take a little bit more time. I don't know, for me, I just have to be in the right mindset for those and ready for those. So sometimes it's going through and correcting and editing all the little things first, but, um, and then coming back for the bigger things. So that's definitely one tip. Another thing that I love to ask beta readers that's, that are reading my work is where in the manuscript did you find yourself wanting to skim? 
So that's obviously like a dreaded word for any sort of author to hear that someone was skimming instead of reading. But it's super important that you have those areas pointed out so that you know, okay, this might be a place that drags a little bit. Something, you know, it's just not quite as engaging or the reader's a little bit bored. What do you do when you're trying to overcome a block? Whenever writer's block (laughs) rears its ugly head, um, it's usually a good indicator to me that I need to just step back and take a break. So it could be just a break for that day. It could be a break for days or weeks. Um, I usually try not to go longer than a few weeks without writing, but sometimes you just need that. And it depends on what other things I have going on in the pipeline. I mean, right now I'm promoting... Um, my book that came out in February, All That Shines and Whispers, but I'm also querying another novel, writing another draft of an, uh, a, a, another novel in addition to that. So sometimes it's just too much. And, you know, I have obviously have other things going on in my life as well. So I find that forced writing is never going to be good writing. So I have to really be in the mood and, you know, just tell myself, all right, something's telling me that I need to step back. And then I'm really surprised when the writer's block will lift out of nowhere. Um, It's not even maybe when I'm expecting it, but all of a sudden I'll feel that energy back and, or an idea will come to my mind and I have that passion again, that, that I want to get back to the computer. What would you say is your biggest writing challenge right now? Well, like I mentioned, I definitely, something that I'm always looking for is that show versus tell. So that's definitely one small thing. It's not really a small thing, but it's something to look out for. But the other thing that is true for me, since I do work in academia, is that sometimes my writing can lend, uh, can lean a little bit formal. And so I've been told that in the past in early drafts of things, you know, to maybe, take it down a notch and maybe come at the reader at more of a approachable level, something a little bit more casual or, you know, informal. So I do know that I have to separate those two worlds in my head where I'm writing academic papers or, you know, speaking or dealing with things, you know, at the college level versus my fiction writing, which is supposed to be much more light and for like the average reader. So that is something that I have to kind of keep in two different compartments in my brain. Tell me about the relationship between your physical and mental health and your writing. Well, most definitely mental health is tied to my writing. There's no doubt about it. Um, I can actually speak to how I sort of got started writing formally, which would have been probably around 2014. My second daughter was born and I had a great experience with her as a newborn and it was a sharp contrast to my first uh, pregnancy and delivery, where I was struck with a really nasty case of postpartum depression. So I had nothing to really compare uh, my first experience with until my second daughter was born. And I was like, wow, like this is different than the first time around. And that really kind of sparked something inside of me that said, "I, I know there's other people that experience this. I wonder if I could use my words to maybe reach some people. So I drafted an essay And that was one of the first ones that I ever landed in sort of like a publication outside of just me and my diary or something to family, something along those lines. So it was picked up by the Huffington Post and I received so many comments back on that essay just about, wow, this was me too, or I would have had no idea. And to me, that was kind of like a light bulb moment where 
mental health and writing kind of connected for me. And ever since that moment, I've been very forthcoming with my own experiences um, with anxiety and depression and all of those sorts of things. Um, and I've written about it lots and lots of times. But when it comes to my books that I've been working on, it ties back to that that idea of like that need that I feel for reading is equally for writing. I just, if I, if I go a long stretch without doing any writing, I can tell that I am maybe crabbier or not quite as myself. So I really do think there's a part of my brain that just needs writing, you know, as to be a healthy person. What are your thoughts on writing as activism? Well, I definitely think that writers and authors have a tremendous platform that they can use for spreading kindness, um, spreading equality, spreading all sorts of positive messages. And I think that activism plays a role in here because words have power. And depending on how you use them, it can be positive or it can be negative. So I really do think that writers could have a platform for good. They, they can bring awareness and a shift in any sort of um, publishing trends. I know that there's definitely a movement right now in the publishing world for greater inclusivity when it comes to hiring, um, when it comes to you know the authors, the literary agents, the publishing houses. I know that there's definitely a, a, a shift happening and I, for the good, definitely something that's long overdue. And so I know that, you know, now that we're seeing more and more works by people of color and all sorts of backgrounds, that there's new words coming about and new understandings and appreciation for different cultures. So I definitely think that writing plays a huge role in activism. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with publishing your work? Yeah, absolutely. So I have two novels under my belt uh, at this moment that are out there in the world. I self-published both of these. The first one was called A Long Way from Blair Street, and it's a story that's really close to my heart. Um, It's kind of a family story. It's a historical fiction, but with ties to a real person. So it's pretty much like a historical biography, if you will. And then my second, All That Shines and Whispers, is was inspired by my favorite film, The Sound of Music. And I just (laughs) have always been a musical theater fan. And, you know, that's my favorite movie of all time. And I always found myself wondering after the credits rolled at the end, well, what happens next, you know? And I know that it's based on a true family and there's, you know, there is a real story there. But the fictional version from the film kind of leaves you right there. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if I could expand this story. So that's where my book picks up and kind of follows that, you know, the idea of that family in a new and kind of unpredictable sort of way. So I've self-published both of those and learned a ton about the industry, um, all the different types of publishing options that are available. But what really drew me towards self-publishing out the get-go was really the control that's involved, the fact that, you know, the author keeps the rights to their books, can make all the decisions in terms of, you know, the content, the cover, the title, uh, all of those sorts of things. So it was a great route for me for these first two books. The one that I, my third book that I have finished is currently in the query trenches, as we authors will say. So I am um, pitching it to literary agents with hopes of pursuing traditional publishing with this book. And this one is very different than my first two. Uh, It's more contemporary 
tackles a lot of really kind of heavy issues surrounding feminism and uh, sexual objectification, all things that are very kind of timely for the women's movement and the Me Too movement that was happening in the last few years. Who are one or two other women writers or creators we should be aware of right now? Oh my gosh, I could totally fangirl over so many authors. I, you know, I, I read so many books and I'm just in awe of all of the talent out there. But I would have to say a, a couple are kind of jumping into my mind right now. So the first one is Kirsten Moglin, and she writes domestic thrillers and suspense. And I kind of stumbled across her last year and picked up one of her books. And she she pumps these books out like I don't even know how she can write so fast because they're so amazing, such page turners. And I read, I finished her book in like a matter of a couple hours because I couldn't put it down. So Kirsten Moglin is definitely someone to check out if you're into that suspense page turner sort of genre. And then another um, author that I'm really interested in right now and who's doing some really cool things online, especially on, on TikTok, her name's Ashley Renard, and she's writing basically a memoir uh, that's linked to her and her husband and that they were almost on the cusp of divorce. And then, you know, they did some experimenting with different things and it ended up bringing them back together and, and all of that. Her, her new book, which is coming out soon, is called Swing, but it's a nonfiction memoir. But Ashley is super fun and she makes these really cute TikTok videos that are relevant to her content. But uh, her platform is just growing and growing because she's just so relatable. So I think if you're in that demographic of, you know, maybe a young mom with kids, she's definitely one to check out. And where can listeners find you online? I'm most active on Instagram. So you can find me at Jennifer Craven Author. And I love to post about things I'm reading, things I'm working on. Uh, and you can also find me a little bit on Twitter, although I'm not as active on that platform, and also on Goodreads. Now it's time for our writing prompt. Remember, the important part is keeping your pen moving. You can always edit later. Right now, we just want to write something new and see what happens. This prompt comes from the runaway bestseller, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Write a story in which you are disconnected from someone society tells you you should inherently be close to. Write how you navigate the distance, remain true to yourself, and explain your choice to those who just don't understand. That excerpt from Jennifer Craven totally left me hanging. It makes me want to read more from All That Shines and Whispers, which is out now. I love hearing from self-published authors who found ways to get their writing out into the world. There's so many ways to share our writing, whether it's publishing articles, blogging, self-publishing books, or finding an agent and submitting to publishing houses. After talking to so many authors, the important piece seems to be finding the right fit for your specific piece of writing. There's no one-size-fits-all for where your writing should go or what it should look like. And knowing that feels like a specific type of freedom. I hope you'll take a few minutes this week to use Jennifer's prompt to connect to your writing in a new way. I know I will. I'm Sarah Gallagher, and this is Fierce Woman Writing. I'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Until then. Keep writing.
Become a supporting member of the podcast with a monthly contribution at FierceWomenWriting.com. Get more writing prompts and engage with other writers on our Instagram page at FierceWomenWriting. Remember, women is spelled with an X. You can also help us reach more writers by sharing this episode with a friend and subscribing, downloading, and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening.